You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Literally Podcast. Um, really excited to kind of surprise you guys with this because we are obviously on a break with Rachel right now because she has, you know, taken some time off to have her beautiful baby boy. And ultimately, we record quite a bit in advance. We're usually like about two months ahead in terms of our coaching and recording and where we are. So effectively, we wouldn't necessarily have to take a break with Literally, but it feels really important important to kind of honor that time because it is part of the coaching experience and does line up with that. And it just so happens that I had another experience where someone reached out to me and we decided to kind of do some coaching together. And she also very graciously agreed for it to be recorded. So you are going to have three episodes while Rachel is away from us and, you know, giving birth and taking care of herself and her family that really are also coaching and are also really valuable, but are just with a different person and on a different topic in different contexts. But I think will serve you very, very much. I'm really excited for you to hear these for a lot of different reasons. But I think that ultimately the reason is most and is always the reason with literally is just to see that we all deal with different struggles, different pain points, and how much coaching can support us in processing through those and how normalizing it is to hear other people's challenges. So my dear friend Shelby has decided to join us for this and be really, really beautifully transparent in terms of what she's struggling with. So we'll dive into that. But the one thing I do want to say is that one of the things that Shelby's struggling with that we'll be talking about pretty deeply is whether or not she's going to be keeping her license as a therapist. And it feels really important to me to say that we very much honor both. This is certainly just Shelby's experience. This is not a recommendation to anyone to do what she's doing it, process it in the way she's processing it, keep it, not keep it, any of those things. Like if you are a therapist, I deeply honor you. If you are someone who didn't get their license like me or gave up their license, like Shelby's considering doing, I honor you too. Like it is all good across the board and there is no one right path for anyone. But I just really wanted to say that in the context of going into this episode, because again, I think sometimes we can listen to things and think, well, that must mean that that's the recommendation or that's the right thing to do. And that's not the point of this. The point of this is, again, that permission, that that coaching, that how we think about things, that seeing what other people are going through. And so deep, deep gratitude to Shelby for being so present for this, for giving us this gift. Just really excited for you to get to listen to this. I think the ultimate focus of this first session is really like the safety of believing in yourself, right? So it's not the circumstance. It's not the license. It's really finding that belief in yourself as an entrepreneur to keep the business running. And I think this will be really relevant for you, whether you at all relate to Shelby and her struggle as a therapist, or whether you are someone who is in a nine to five or who finds themselves feeling really shaky and wobbly sometimes around trusting 
something that your business can keep growing and supporting you and sustaining things for you. So I think this will be such a gift. And again, so grateful to Shelby and also really honoring Rachel and the time that she's spending taking care of her beautiful family right now. All right, Shelby, I'm so happy we're doing this together. Me too. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Shelby and I connected over just some of the different specific struggles that a lot of people have when they have been in the therapy world, worked as a therapist, had licensure, all those kind of things, and what it means to decide what that looks like in your coaching business. Personally, I have worked as a therapist. I've coached a ton of therapists, and I think there is such a unique subset of challenges there. And I know when you and I connected, we really both felt into how different that is and how it's such a pressing issue, but doesn't really get talked about that much. So you were so gracious to offer for us to do a little coaching on this together and record your session. So thank you so much for that. Mm, Yes, I'm really excited. I feel like this will really help me be even more fully in alignment as I support so many folks in their paths to move towards being coaches or anything like that. Yeah. So the last time you and I uh, chatted, obviously off record here, you were kind of moving out of one-on-one and into more of what you're doing now. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that and give a little context there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really focusing on what helps me have my aliveness. Mm -hmm. You know, I have so many chronic health issues and I'm like, what is it that I really want to be offering the world in this moment in time? And you helped me get really clear on, I love teaching. I love it so much. I absolutely love being a therapist and a coach and I'm really good at it. I love my clients. And I just came to I want to keep my current clients and I I will see them for as long as they want to see me. And they keep coming back and keep coming back. (laughs) And I don't want to keep pressuring myself to have to widen my capacity to just keep taking on more and more clients. I finally landed where I was like, I'm good. I've just got these clients and I'm going to focus on like broadening my teaching uh, repertoire and capacity because that feels fun to me right now. I love what you said so much right there about the pressure to widen capacity. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I think it's fascinating how much that does come from the therapy world, right? Because, I mean, that's such like see as many clients work as fast as possible kind of philosophy in many ways. Obviously, I'm talking broad scale, but it's interesting how that carries over, right? It's gross. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. So therapists in my world, I have so many therapists and it feels like this weird competition to be like, how many clients do you see a week? How much do you charge? (laughs) And it's always like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, what? You see 25 clients a week and you only charge $120. I charge 250 an hour and I only see seven or eight Mm -hmm. clients a week. I feel like I'm rocking it. But it's like this, how humble can you be and how much can you hurt yourself seeing as many clients as possible? It's so interesting that you just said, how much can you hurt yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that is almost the underlying thing that I see sticks so many people coming out of that world, which is – and also the nonprofit world, by the way, because I definitely spent a lot of time in that world too. It's basically like how selfless can you be? (laughs) How much can you take the – heat or the harm (laughs) and, and that being like the value add. And it's so interesting when we get into the coaching space to have to re 
establish that, to have to question that, to have to look at where that lies in ourselves. So I think for you, like when you did that questioning, what you realized more was like the teaching was where you could kind of thrive, right? Yeah, it's something that feels so uplifting to me and light and my, you know, my voice finally has come through. It took me so many years to feel like I could just, you know, get on a podcast and talk without any planning or, you know, teach a class and not have to do anything beforehand. And it feels so exciting to me to finally get to use this tool I've been working so hard for. I love, like, I love one-on-one sessions so much and it's just a different energy. And I will always really enjoy being with my current clients that I see. And it's like, and this new tool has just come through my body and I want to like just dive into it full on. So tell us what that is real quick. So everyone knows. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it could be anything. (laughs) Like, give me a microphone and I'll talk all day on it if you ask me a question. You know, so, so long in my life, I was waiting for people to kind of like open the door for me Mm. so that I could speak and and nobody ever did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I feel like I'm finally like, I have something to say and I want to say it. Yes. (laughs) It's around trauma and it's around embodiment and around connection and integrity and how we as care providers, you know, whether we're therapists or coaches or meditation teachers can really embody our authenticity while also be super skilled and, and not burning ourselves out. Yeah. So what feels like the point that still feels like crunchy or stuck there around like fully stepping into that with this old kind of identity still here? Oh gosh. I mean, it's so in there. I felt it as soon as you said it, just my whole core constricted mm. because there's this very conditioned part of me that wants to be this very important, like PhD, intellectual, very smart, well-regarded, well-known, super certified <laughs> um, teacher yep. Yep. that people look up to and, you know, they hand their money to. So I better have like the highest, uh, you know, highest number of letters behind my name or whatever in order to feel like I'm not letting people down and that I'm really uh, teaching something that, I don't know, makes sense to people. And I get really stuck in that old conditioning of if I'm offering this trauma course, I need to also make sure I'm licensed so that I can offer CEUs so that more people can access it. And how am I just throwing my education away by like, I'm just dishonoring that by not using those letters anymore. And there's a lot of layers wrapped up in it. Oh my gosh. I similarly just felt a constriction (laughs) Um, for me too, because that is, that was so it for me. Like there was like no path but PhD for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And it had nothing to do with really wanting that or really enjoying that. Because like for most people, this is just context, but for most people that go PhD route in psychology, like you're you're basically a researcher or an academic, right? Yeah. And that just sounds like so boring. <laughs> yeah. But there's something about the allure of that. Yeah. That's really, really hard to give up or like the importance of that. I'm using hand quotations, right? That feels like you would almost be failing if you didn't, right? And I think licensure is the same thing. I I shared with you that 
I was close to that and chose not to finish because I felt the constriction around what that would do for me. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't finish or that many people don't. I just personally could feel that in myself that it was becoming more of a hindrance than a support. Yeah. So even though I worked for as a therapist for a long time, when it came to that end piece, I really pulled back. But I also felt a lot of that guilt that you're talking about. Like nobody in my life understood why I wouldn't finish that. I know. Right. And especially the other therapists. In oh the my room. god. <laughs> like it's it's almost like you must have something wrong with you, right? <laughs> right. Or like you need to take the shortcut or mm-hmm. something. That's like, you didn't stay here and suffer with us. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit for you, like in the like, quote unquote, suffering, let's say, do you still find that that's like really present for you and feeling like you kind of should be suffering a little bit more? I mean, it's all the reasons I decided to put my license on hold, you know, because I wanted to be able to have one-on-one sessions with my worldwide audience, you know, my students and Uh, people that I was mentoring were all over the world. And I wanted to, I felt like it was exciting to get to hear accents of different varieties Mm -hmm. all day. And like the suffering was around, oh, now I don't have my back covered by the board, (laughs) you know, or (laughs) really like bureaucratic, silly logistical things and um, not around what feels authentic and alive and like I could just follow with so much ease. It's so interesting when you say that because I remember our conversation when you had kind of decided to, you know, of course stay with the clients you had, but otherwise really step more fully into your course. It almost felt like there was this weight that lifted. And it's interesting here because I think what you're saying is that when you initially kind of put that on hold, there was like this absolute weight that sort of got lifted off your shoulders, but there's still this underlying story. Is that what it feels like? Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's scarcity maybe as, Mm -hmm. because I have two more years where it can be on hold. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually after we talked, I just stopped paying for it because you have to pay Mm -hmm. the same amount. Yeah. You're not. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I decide. I'm not going to leak this energy anymore. And um, this feels silly. I'm thriving. I'm super thriving as a coach. I'm doing a great job. and uh, But it still looms. I'm like, I could probably go blame it on COVID and go back and get it. You know, <laughs> and, Just in case I, I somehow the bottom falls out and I'm not successful anymore or my the people I'm teaching find me to be a fraud and they all yep. fall away or um, the economy plummets and I'm going to need people to pay me through their insurance. And it's really that old scarcity stuff. I just like honor you so much for sharing those thoughts because I think it completely makes sense. And I also think it's what's on a very deep level societally drilled into us, which is like the only safe thing is the thing that has a board, the thing that has letters attached to it, the thing that can go through insurance. Like, isn't it fascinating how ingrained that becomes like literally into our systems that like that is what safety is, right? Yeah. And it feels like it's coming from the outside. You know, it's like, why would you give up being able to charge insurance? Like you would always have an income for the rest of your life if you Mm -hmm. relied on this safe thing. But I also know that most of the people that use their insurance when they worked with me 
um, it was a whole different dynamic than people that do pay out of pocket, not saying we could totally go into a whole thing around privilege and we don't need to do that right now. I'm aware that a lot of people were committed, but it's a different dynamic for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting what you just said to me, um, the idea of you would have an income the rest of your life. Yeah. Like what a powerful statement to think about. Um, I remember when I first started this business and I had my first coach and I, I think I just had my first 10K month. And she said to me, so how does it feel to know that you're never going to have to worry about money again? Mm. And I was like, uh, I think we've misunderstood each other. <laughs> like, I just had my first 10K month. Like, I don't know that I'm never going to have to worry about money again. But I sat with that question for a really, really long time. And I now ask that to almost every client I have at a certain point. Yeah. And so <laughs> what if I ask that to you? How does it feel to know that you could never worry about money again in coaching? What comes up? I mean, the part of me that's like, you're insane. <laughs> like, I just had consistently between twelve and $18,000 a month for the last seven months. And still, mm-hmm. and that was going from like 3500 to 4000 consistently for the last eight years or so. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm still like, this is a, this is a fluke. Like there, there's a blip here. It's, it's going to fall. The bottom's going to fall out. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't trust this the other shoe is going to drop. I've got to keep pushing, got to keep going. And it's like, what the heck are you talking about? How could I mm-hmm. even possibly believe that? That's not only entitled of me to believe that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what happens in my life. The other shoe always drops. Yeah. I think that that's really really helpful to see. So my my secondary question to that, and then we'll kind of circle back here, is did you ever really feel like that in therapy or do you think that it's just like a hindsight is twenty twenty kind of thing? Did you ever truly feel like I'd have income for the rest of my life and I'm totally solid? Or do you think this same feeling was kind of coming up there in different ways? Oh my God. It was always there. It's always <laughs> there. <laughs> no different whatsoever. Even though the clients were totally consistent and, you know, if I was on, if I had, was able to charge insurance that, you know, I could always have a full practice, but I was always fretting that the bottom would fall out. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so cool to see? Cool. Cool might be an easier frame when it's not you, right? But let's use <laughs> it. Isn't that so cool to see how our brains do that, where it's like when we were in it, our brains say it's not safe. But when we're out of it, our brains say, but if you went back to that, it would clearly be safe, right? It's amazing how our brains work like that. It's fascinating. So tell me for you, like when the other shoe always drops, is that always in a really specific way? Is it usually health related? Is it all different kinds of ways? Like what has that pattern looked like for you? Hmm. Good question. It always impacts my health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that feels like there's more shoes that drop before that. And I think it's probably probably a similar pattern. I just am really curious and feeling into it at the moment. It's just a really strong belief system that I'm not supported. I, you know, emotionally. The interesting thing is I grew up with more than enough money (laughs) in my family. Mm Mm-hmm. But the feeling of not being supported, especially emotionally, went through everything in me. Mm-hmm. And so I just walked through the world just waiting to be proved that I am not supported. It, like, whatever, if there, if it's here in this moment, it's going to fall away, you know. 
And I think that is similar with everything, you know, romantic relationships, work relationships, friendships, money, all of it. Mm-hmm. I wonder for you if it feels like the licensure is giving you a little of that emotional support. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it feels like something that I could fall into if I needed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, both monetarily and like us when people are like, you're a coach. And I feel horrible saying this because I train coaches, but I'm just going to be really real. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that's like, oh, and I'm also, I have a master's degree and I have two coaching <laughs> certificates and I have three mindfulness, you know, and like all of my 100%. trauma training. And I'm like, no, it feels like that's, that's the support I can lean into to be like, I'm enough. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's so, so helpful to see that, right? Where it's like, Right now, those are my confirmations that I'm enough for some of them, probably not all of them. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm really getting that I only hold myself to that standard because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I mean, when I seek out practitioners, I don't do that to them. I'm like, I have a coach, I have a business coach, you know, I have a financial coach, I have a therapist as well. When I'm working with my students, I leave it with every ounce of my being when they're freaked out about do I need a degree? Do I not? And I'm like, no, you absolutely do not. Like that is not where I got my expertise. Yeah, totally. But there's something about letters, credentials, whatever that is, where it, does it feel like it lends more to the feeling of enoughness or the feeling of safety, or does it feel very equally matched? Mm, Between enoughness or safety? Yeah, yeah. I think a tiny bit more around enoughness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just this, like, I can never stop until, like, I've proved myself that I'm I'm smart enough, you know, or well-practiced enough or skilled enough. Something like that. Is that a very big childhood pattern as well, this idea of, like, proving? Oh, yeah, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I remember I was very, very competitive horse rider. Very competitive from the age of like five mm. until I was 20, until I hurt myself. I think I did it on purpose, actually, because I was tired mm. of trying, trying to prove myself. And it, I mean, I was winning, 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 winning. And it's still... I wasn't getting that connection and love that I was looking for. And it was just like this bottomless well of if I try harder, can I feel like I belong here better? Is there acknowledgement? Is there praise? Is there warm arms to come into? And it was like what I was looking for was not there. It's so, so helpful to see that thread. But I think something that's also really interesting here too is that I feel, and you told me if this feels true for you, but like most of the people I know who went and got the master's degree, went the the therapy track, uh, all did it because they had some version of that story, <laughs> whatever that is for them, right? But some version of like, I know what it felt like to not feel safe, to not get my needs met, to experience all of these things. And so I want to help other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was secondary. It was definitely there. My main reason was 
I feel so fucked up. I don't know anything else I can do <laughs> to try to make sense of this and create a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think in many ways, I think we're saying the same thing. And actually, I think you articulated it better than I do. But it's like we come because of our own wounding. Yes, that for sure. Right? <laughs> And like that turns into I want to help other people, I think, for sure. But yeah, I, I completely agree. It's like we come to that profession because of our own wounding. And then there's some great irony in the fact that that, that profession sort of teaches you to then create more wounding, <laughs> mm. be self-sacrificing, you know, burn yourself out, all that kind of stuff, right? Oh, it's a perfect setup. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, and now we can play this out with our clients. <laughs> yep. And My if inner we're not child. aware – yeah. Yep. My inner child came here because I'm struggling. And now I have this whole new set of things to struggle with, right? Yeah. And I can like be in a, a role where I'm loved and I matter to people and yeah. I'm helping and I'm of support and people see me in a beautiful light. And I mean, not always, <laughs> but it feels like a perfect little fit of, yep, I could just make a career out of like getting people to like me. It's super interesting because I, I feel like obviously I'm seeing the outside. So you tell me what feels true here. I feel like you've really not shown up in that way at all in your business. Like it doesn't feel like an attempt to be liked. I feel like if anything, I see you being willing to be disliked and be outspoken. Where do you feel like that shifted? Mm. Oh, thank you for seeing that and naming that. Um, I worked so hard for that. I, where did it shift? Really shifted as I started like getting a lot of credibility and a lot of people inviting me to like speak and share about trauma and reflect to me that like we see you as somebody that we can trust with this information and with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I started going, oh, I think this is my expertise. And not only do I think it is, whoa, it really is like something clicked and I want to put this out in the world. And as soon as I did, um, I was also teaching for a really, really big worldwide sex, love relationship coaches certification school. And I was getting a lot of exposure and it was pushing against mm -hmm. every edge I had around being <laughs> small and like asking permission to be an expert and, um, I was really forced to stand in, this is what I bring and this is who I am and this is what I teach. And it it actually was amazing. I don't push, I don't promote forcing at all, <laughs> anything, but um, there was something in me that was ready to be seen in such a huge way. And what happened was all the things that I feared most happened. <laughs> I lost friends, mm. um, family members were judging me. I was starting to make money and that was hitting all of my edges. I, um, I was bullied. I was called, I was like, I'm a queer identified coach. And a lot of people were working out their queer curiosity stuff with me. And it was scaring me because a lot of things can happen when people are doing that. Mm -hmm. I got bullied by, you know, colleagues, um, violently threatened, like, Everything that happened that I was so scared of and something in me cracked where I was like, well, the, isn't this interesting? I still want to keep doing this. <laughs> like I could, I could Fascinating. run. <laughs> I, could keep, I could pack up my bags. I could hightail it out of here. I could quit. But I more than ever want to teach people about 
trauma and dynamics and what's happening and projection and that and I could see that my capacity started widening. I had an incredible amount of support, which is mm-hmm. what shifted. It was I was I had to let in the support. Like I mm-hmm. always have had support, but I couldn't let it in. Mm-hmm. And in that shattering, I was forced to let in the support. And I I had to acknowledge I could no longer do this alone. I kind of went through therapy school as the know-it-all. Like I have all the answers. I don't need your um, I don't need your feedback. I don't need your supervision. I don't need your anything. I've got this. And now I I was like, I need it all. Like I have so much to learn because I'm really alone here and I'm acknowledging that. And I just got to see there was something in me that kind of went, fuck you to it all. And now I'm just going to rant and bitch about trauma awareness <laughs> and share my story and be vulnerable. And if you don't like it, I don't care because it didn't kill me. All of that. And if that didn't kill me, I think I'm going to be fine. (laughs) I love that. That's so, so true. Sometimes we have those moments where like all of our worst fears come up at that exact moment and we kind of like dust ourselves off and look down and we're like, nope, still here, still okay. Well, that's cool. That's new information, right? Oh, yeah. It was just the best thing that could have happened and the thing I feared most and it did happen and it hurt so much. But it cracked that perfectionist in me that felt like I needed to do it all in this perfect way, like have this amount of clients, make this amount of money and do the kind of therapy paradigm where I was always comparing myself. Am I being clinical enough? Am I, um, you know, doing it, the trauma treatment in that perfect way? And I was like, you know what? I have got this. (laughs) I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) I love that. So something that you said that really stuck out to me and in, in all of that was that the thing that shifted it was you let the support in. Yeah. So I get really curious, like in terms of what we're kind of talking about right now and in the aspect of like, do I keep the licensure? Do I not? Like, do I let myself go bigger without the CEUs? Do I add that in? That kind of thing. Like what, what would it look like to let the support in there? Like, what does that mean in that context? Mm-hmm. I guess that could mean something logistical in like, I could just do some dang research (laughs) and Mm. see if that's even actually true instead of a story I'm wasting on telling myself over and over again. I am feeling that. (laughs) You know, that could be true. I constantly Mm. think about making a creating safer space for medical professionals. And I'm like, well, then I would definitely need all those letters after my name. And I I could really look into it. Well, is that actually true? Or I could just shift my beliefs, which I have learned like so much, which comes down from the lineage of you. Like, yeah, <laughs> I see somebody that you coach who yeah, has really yeah. helped me actually go, it doesn't, the research doesn't matter. If I believe it, it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if I could just fully believe that I could get all of the support I needed to get either of these courses out there, any of my three courses, that all the right people are going to get it. Like naturopaths, you know, people aren't going to need me to provide CEUs if they really, really want this information. They're just going to take the damn course, you know? I, well, let's say two things here. I really love what you just said. Because it's there's some irony in the fact that if we go back to that initial piece of the conversation where we were talking about, like, obviously, 
there's there's privilege in that and and all of that, but that the idea that there is a different client that's using insurance versus paying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. almost what you just said here in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like there is a different experience when someone's like doing it to get the CEU versus doing it because they care about trauma. Oh, what a great reflection. Really cool to see that where it's like we're not saying it's bad to use the insurance. And we're certainly not saying it's bad to get a CEU. It's just the question for you of like which side of that fence do you want to be on? Both, really. I mean, I like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I had surgery a couple weeks ago and I was interviewing everyone like the, <laughs> from the moment I arrived. I was like, so did you have a trauma awareness course? Like how did how are you trauma informed? Like because I want to know how to get my foot in the door, but I also want to, they're touching my traumatized body. You know, totally. What do I need to instruct you about? Um, and every single one of them looked at me and scratched their head and said, we've had no Nothing. I have no idea what you're talking about. And for me, I'm like, I want to be that person that introduces something like this to these people that are that don't get this super formal, boring clinical training. Because I know that I engage people in a different way. And I want to wake them up to going, yeah, I do need this. It's really too bad my company didn't provide that. <laughs> Let's just explore an alternate thought or path here, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great and interesting answer when you say both. So for me, I'm wondering, does the fact that you kind of close down one-on-one actually open the door for you to re-explore it being both? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Say more about that. Like, so for example, I feel like, and you tell me if this still is true for you, but I feel like where most um, therapists like struggle is the overlap between, well, what's the difference between therapy and one-on-one coaching? Mm -hmm. And there tends to be like a bunch of tension that sort of gets built up there. And then also like you were saying, like practicing with people in different countries, all of that kind of stuff, right? So um, I wonder if, since that's not going to be this huge part of your business moving forward, if like, say you did bring the licensure back on the table, Maybe you were you were able to get that both, where it's like you're teaching to people that don't need CEOs, you're teaching to people that do, but there's less confusion there because you're not also doing a ton of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did have that thought the other day, and then I lost it. I'm glad that you <laughs> said that. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, the reaction I get in my body, though. It's kind of like I want to vomit. Mm. <laughs> like the excited kind of vomit or like the upset kind of vomit <laughs> kind I know of it's like, hard to tell but <laughs> I feel like oh this is part of me that's like I don't want to be part of that bureaucratic patriarchal system and part of my activism is like is that we don't have to be in that system to really effectively and lovingly help people like that's part of my activism I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second, not because I have a, a thought about this, but because I'm just curious what what your other side may say here. But I wonder if it's like, do you have to be part of the system in order to change it? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like you want to change it from the outside? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, there's this part of me that keeps floating down a little that kind of just feels like it wants attention. It's like, Shelby, you know that all of the right amount of people are going to get this experience. And 
I think it's this, I really think it might be the scarcity that's like, I need to get enough people who through the CEUs. I don't think it's mm-hmm. as much about changing the system. Mm-hmm. I think I can change the system from the outside. Yeah. I think it's still that scarcity because I know that all the people, there's so, there's billions of people in the world, you know, <laughs> who want trauma awareness and need it. And if I'm really like, in my integrated self, it's like all those people are going to be reached. It doesn't matter if I'm accredited or not. That's really cool to land there where it's like, it would have been so easy for you in that moment because I left that door wide open (laughs) for you to go, you're totally right. Like, I think that I should probably just get it because it would be way better to change it from within. Like, how cool that you were able to find that point where you're like, I could do that and I know why I would be doing that. Yeah, it feels like it's out of that place of scarcity. It doesn't have anything to do with credibility or uh, it just is like, I want more money. <laughs> I want access to more money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe is there a component of it would feel safer or it would make me feel more enough? Or like, what's that other piece of the scarcity that comes up? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, more money to me means more safe. Like yep, totally. that I would be able to provide a livelihood for myself and my family, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. If I had a family, <laughs> when I have a family, <laughs> when totally, totally, I I think that's so cool because you've sort of, and I think you've probably known this, but it's like this very grounded knowing, I guess you could say now, but uh, it's almost like the reason I would get the licensure is the scarcity, but I don't actually want it. Yeah, no, my that nausea was like. Get away from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of that patriarchal bureaucracy. Yeah. Also, the, am- the amount of limitation that comes with that is probably also very contracting now that you've been outside of it, right? Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I hate- I don't want to knock therapists because their therapists are incredible. I love Absolutely. therapy. I love it. I love it. I mean, I work my work looks like therapy. <laughs> totally. Um, I'm a huge advocate for therapy, but I, the system is really, really flawed and it sets therapists up to be like not working from their most integrated selves. And that makes yep. me sad. And that's why I feel like as coaches, we have such an incredible opportunity to be exploring so such a wider, more expansive territory with our clients and with ourselves. And we have a lot more option and choice around how we want to be out there in the world working with clients. And sure, there's many coaches that don't choose to be in integrity around that, but there are also so many that do. And I just, the possibility there really inspires me. It's so interesting because I couldn't agree with you more. We're like the actual art of therapy, the people that are out there practicing it and doing it. Like, I think there's like just no greater gift in this world, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I totally feel you on that. Like, I think that um, that was sort of my stopping point there where I felt so much contraction around the obligation related to that system versus the expansiveness that kind of pops up in coaching, right? Totally. I... I'm just a real advocate for walking our talk. And if I'm not thriving, you know, with everything, my health, my aliveness, my energy, my finances, 
how can I really, really be modeling for and helping my clients know that like what they want is possible? Not that I need to be perfect because I'm definitely, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But if I'm not really believing in my capacity for that and I'm stuck in that system and not willing to fight for it, even if it means not having my license, like Mm -hmm. I can't really be in integrity by telling my clients they can do whatever they want. Ooh, that's a juicy statement, right? Yeah, that feels true. How does that feel when you say that? Like, does it feel really good in your body when you say something like that? Yeah, I noticed my, I actually put my legs down on the ground mm. and I started moving my whole torso in, in more like a dancey fluid motion. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that feels good. You're like, I like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. I felt like I, I put my legs down and just kind of staked my claim. Yeah. So so here's a question, and you don't have to know the answer to it at this moment, but I think it would just be, like, interesting. Is like, if we said, okay, cool, so, like, decision made, you don't need the, to do the CEUs. You don't need to get the licensure. What is all the stuff that pops up there? Like, is there grief that comes to the surface? Is there a lot of, like, scarcity that immediately feels present? Like, what's that initial feeling? Hmm. It's definitely not grief. It's it's just that fear. It's the scarcity. Mm-hmm. But it's less now than before. So let's let's sit with that for a second. So it's that fear. It's that idea of like less safety potentially, right? But here's where I get a little bit curious is so say we're tying the safety to money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although we know. That's a a flawed premise in a way, but our brains do it. So we're going to do it here, right? Yes. Say we're tying the safety to money. What is the story that immediately kind of pops up for you in terms of like, is it harder to make money without credentials? Is it not as accessible? Like what's the actual underlying story that comes up there? Hmm. Um... I'd love to say it was about accessibility, but it's not for me. Um, it's really about that, like, it's like something that feels long term, you know, like, like that. then I could mm. be sure that I would have a yeah. career for the rest of my life that's bringing in money, you know, and it feels, yeah, it feels like safer, like there's something to lean into that's not me. And I've been really realizing a lot lately, like I am. I, like so many people have partners, family, kids, like friends nearby, uh, like a, a system that, of support that they can lean into. And for me, it's just me. You know, like I am the one that supports myself. I am my livelihood. I am like the sole provider of this one person family <laughs> and, yep. and this massive health expense. <laughs> and I'm like, just really aware that there's a part of me that's like, if I want to have a baby or if, you know, Mm -hmm. if I have made a partner who isn't able to, um, have income in the way that, uh, would, you know, we would match each other. Like it's on me. It's all on me. And so I can just feel that like go so deeply in every cell of my bones right now of like, I have to feel like I can exhale at some point. And for some reason that license or CEUs is like, if everything falls apart, at least you've got that. 
Mm-hmm. That's so good. I mean, because <sighs> it's so clear. It's such it a doesn't good mean purge. it feels good, but like it's so crystal clear. And here's what's coming up for me, and I'm really curious what this brings up, but is this idea of like you said something to lean into that isn't me. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about what shifted things for you in the past, you said it's when I let the support in. Totally. Those are like so intertwined right now where there's like maybe this like missing element of support. It might just be you supporting yourself in a different way. It might be calling in more support. I'm not sure what that is. And that's definitely for us to explore. But isn't that interesting how like through all of that, we kind of almost come back to that same piece. It's so interesting. And it seems like just such a such a possibility. I'm like, oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> you know, I've been <laughs> doing it. And it and it's it works. And I just it's like the believing in that. Mm-hmm. The believing in what? Say that like very specifically. That I have all of the support I need. Mm-hmm. And when I remember to lean into it and let it in, that I am safe and cared for and feel at ease. If you look at, you know, just like every every little thing, big thing, whatever, do you feel like that's always the open door for you? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's always solved when you remember that you have all the support you need and all the safety you ha- need. Well, it's very brand new. And okay. <laughs> and the door's open, but it's like cracked open. <laughs> yeah. And yes, the answer is yes. For me, mm-hmm. I'm finding that in the last several years. Like when I have, when I let myself have that support fully and completely and I let it be delicious and I'm like treating myself to it because I want it and not just because I feel like I have to have it in order to survive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Good. I'm thriving. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I feel like that might be like a great stopping place for us at this moment is that recognition. And then what what might be the thing in between now and then is to look at how that feels present or doesn't feel present right now. And then that next session might be to look at how to like ground that in even more since it's still new, but it's this like beautiful open door and it's really like a constant solution. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I literally have tears thinking mm. about grounding the concept of support into my body even more fully. I feel mm-hmm. like, huh, like it felt like you just took weight off of me. <laughs> mm. Oh, I love that. So that's exactly like the work, right? And I think um, this is why it's so beautiful. And you know, here's the here's the thing that's such a bitch, right? <laughs> is that it presents itself like I have a question about licensure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as always it's that, like that surface level stuff for all of us right and it's like so beautiful when we reach that place where it's like no like the opportunity here is like grounding a new concept into my body it has nothing to do with the surface layer stuff right yeah I love that I love that about somatic stuff too yeah. it's like yeah it's actually not so cognitive <laughs> right so good okay so between now and next time what does that feel like to sit with the idea of like what support feels present versus like what support feels not present or like a craving or desire Mm. 
Well, I, gosh, I just want to stay with the feeling that I have in my body right now where it just, there, it was so palpable and I felt like you just took the weight off and I could feel my breath and my, like my stomach is like full of air and breath. <laughs> and I want to just keep remembering that feeling and then really take special care around acknowledging that I, the support that I do have, which is so much you know I have mm -hmm. Julia my coach yeah. I have um I consult you know I show up I get supervision for my work and consultation every other week from my teacher who's phenomenal Stephen you know I get therapy <laughs> like every week and I, like it used to be like I'm doing this because I'm broken and I need to be fixed and yeah. now I'm like I have more than enough money to pay for all the support I want and I love it and it's fun and it feels beautiful and um, so just like celebrating that more and making it more mm -hmm. conscious and also around my friends who I do have and more friends that I'm making here in Bend where I recently moved back to just soaking mm -hmm. that up. I love that. Like in other words, like that's not even a question to answer almost of like what support feels present or what is the desire. It's like, it's all here. It's just staying in that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just right here. So good. Okay, so let's let's just have you kind of sit with that feeling in between now and then see what comes up. I mean, obviously, like our brain loves to do interesting things. So see see what pops up for you in between now and then, what thoughts arise, what you know, questions arise. And then again, next time I think it would be like really helpful to dive into that idea of like what does it look like to ground this feeling even more? Does that feel good? It feels like it couldn't be more perfect. So good. I just adore you, Shelby. This was so good. And I just thank you so, so much for just sharing. I feel like this is like, you know, it's like that saying, like, what's personal is universal. Like, this is just so, like, I resonated with so much you said personally. And I know everyone that would hear this would too. So I'm just super, super grateful to you. Mm, mm, it's such an honor to be here. And I am just so appreciating you taking the time and it's just it's really fun to be with you so thank you likewise beautiful all right cool we will chat soon thank you for listening to literally i would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast so please leave us a review each month i'll be picking reviewers to give a free session of their own to as a thank you and remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living let up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. If you want to hear more stories of women who have gotten killer results in their business, plus the mindset strategy and execution that got them there, download my free case study series, The Client Files. You'll read about several women's unique journeys to success and exactly how they did it. Plus, you'll be inspired to find the path that fits you. Just go to alituplife.com forward slash clients to sign up.